Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture here at Midweek. Glad you have joined us. And here's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're still trying to figure out this U.S.-China situation. Are we closer to getting that market reopened or not? If so, how much? What products? A lot of details yet to uh, sort through. We're going to talk about trade with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Also with Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President of the U.S.-China Business Council. A lot of State Farm Bureau meetings have been going on the last few days around the country. One of those was in Missouri. We'll talk with Missouri Farm Bureau President Blake Hurst about their meeting and what uh, their delegates were saying and uh, what are their priorities for the coming year. But let's start things off with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, good to talk with you. And we're, we're getting bits and pieces of information on what will be in the Farm Bill, mainly from Ranking House uh, Ag Committee uh, leader um, Colin Peterson. He seems to be the only one of the big four really talking very much about the Farm Bill. Well, that's right. The uh, Republican leaders are trying to keep everything close to the vest because they don't want opposition to the bill. But now I'm having members uh, wanting credit for various provisions that they've gotten into the bill, starting to call me, uh, off, uh, offering to do interviews. So I think we'll learn more in the next in the next few days. But I'm expecting that the bill will re- be released next Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We're all anxious to see what is in there. I mean, we have some ideas. I mean, we know about uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader McConnell's push for for hemp production, and then we're, we kind of get an idea that, you know, they came to some uh, compromises on SNAP, and maybe it sounds like they're going to try to address other areas of SNAP that they wanted to outside of the farm bill. Is that what you're hearing? Well, yes. What I think what the SNAP provision will be, uh, is that there will be some stricter enforcement. No, there won't be any stiffer uh, work requirements because the House, Democrats, and the Senate, both Republicans and Democrats, wouldn't go for it. So what they'll do is go for stricter inf- enforcement, but with also w- retaining a lot of broad power for the secretary uh, to cut back, especially on these waivers that the states have been giving so that more people were eligible uh, to get food stamps uh, when they when they declare a period of high unemployment. Thought it was interesting. Uh, Colin Peterson saying he hopes there's enough in this farm bill to help farmers through these uh, tough times, but he's not sure that there is. Well, that's right. You know, the the bill uh, there's no extra money for the bill, uh, as we as we know it. They had to stick within the old budget, uh, uh, and the farmers are pretty happy with the structure of the bill. But the farm prices are a lot lower than they were when they were when the bill was passed in 2014, um, and uh, the secretary says there won't be any more trade aid next year, um, uh, and the administration is assuming that you know there's going to be more trade with China, but that's uncertain, particularly because of the way the president keeps going back and forth on his statements. But they are expected to announce round two of the trade aid maybe next week, right? Yes. Secretary Purdue uh, told reporters yesterday that the uh, second round of trade aid is now being analyzed at the Office of Management and Budget. And he said he would be speaking with the president about it later this week. So I think there would be an announcement next week about uh, the trade. 
uh, and that's likely to come in the in the midst of the farm bill being on the floor in the House and the Senate. Yeah, everything's going to push back uh, with the uh, the funeral this week of former President Bush. So uh, there's going to be a lot in this next week or two that we'll be watching. We're talking with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, meanwhile, everyone trying to figure out just what or what what wasn't accomplished at the G20 meeting when it comes to China. Well, indeed, because President Obama, President Trump put out a statement, you know, we've got this great new agreement, they're going to buy more soybeans. Uh, the Chinese did not actually say they were going to buy more soybeans. They, would, they say, oh, well, well, we will if we need them. Uh, and so it's uh, and then Trump uh, treats that, tweets that he's he's tariff man and he might put on stiffer tariffs. So the the stock market is reacting to this. Uh, it's really hard to uh, to uh, uh, to figure out what's going on. It's it's creating more uncertainty than ever. And meanwhile, when it comes to trade, we still have the tariffs in place, especially with Mexico and Canada. Any word on are they going to start? getting closer to lifting those well they the uh, office of the trade representative says that that they were always talking with with mexico and canada uh but i don't know but you know the the uh, people who were happy with the new u.s uh mexico canada agreement especially the dairy industry said that this won't help if we have those steel and, and aluminum tariffs uh, because the sales are going down uh, because the Canadians and especially the Mexicans don't want to pay these uh, higher prices for U.S. dairy products. Well, one of the big stories early next year will be that vote on USMCA. We're hearing some people take positions critical of some aspects of it already. The president threatening to pull out of NAFTA if Congress doesn't pass the New Deal. Uh, what are you hearing? Uh, what may be looming in that battle ahead? Well, yesterday, Secretary Perdue said that the reason that that Trump is threatening to withdraw from NAFTA is that he's sick and tired of getting criticized by Congress for things he didn't achieve. And uh, so he thinks that by pushing this, he will be able to, uh, you know, by withdrawing, uh, he'll be able to force Congress to uh, to pass it. Uh I don't know. That's a that's a, quite a strategy, and of course, Trump hasn't withdrawn from it yet, so you don't know for sure what will happen. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Meanwhile, yet this year, we, we, I talked about how things have been kind of delayed because of the uh, funeral for former President Bush this week. That pushes a lot into an even shorter time period. Uh, still got funding for the government as well as the farm bill and some other things. Uh, how do you see him cramming all this into such a short period of time? Well, Congress is going to delay its departure from Washington until December 21st. That's going to be the new deadline for passing the appropriations bill uh, that, it, that covers the Agriculture Department as well as some other agencies. It looks to me like the, the, like the push for the farm bill is very well organized. I don't see any dissent from the administration. It, it appears like, you know, it appears to me that that the Congress has consulted with the administration. There won't be any possibility of a veto threat, so that may go through fairly smoothly. Uh, but we'll have to see. the The big question is about this appropriations bill and Trump's threat to uh, uh, to to veto the, the bill if it doesn't provide him his funding and therefore uh, start a government shutdown, the funding for the wall. 
but you know, it's going to be three days before Christmas, December 21st. Who's going to want to shut down the government over Christmas? I don't think anybody's going to want to do that. So I think they'll re- they'll resolve it. Uh, you know, with this extra week, they should be able to get everything done, even though it's a pretty busy time. Yeah, the calendar does play a part in all this, and as you said, the, the Christmas uh, holiday coming up will play a part in the kind of urging them, uh, getting some urgency into getting something done so they can uh, head home for the holidays. All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. We'll have a lot to talk about these next couple of weeks, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Well, as I mentioned, a number of state farm bureaus have been holding their annual meetings uh, this week. Uh, one of those, the Missouri Farm Bureau. We'll talk with their president, Blake Hurst, about uh, their meeting, what uh, the delegates had on their minds, what are their issues for the coming year. That's next on AOA. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DMA 0031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. This week is a big week for State Farm Bureau annual meetings. One of those that was held was the Missouri Farm Bureau annual meeting. Their president, Blake Hurst, joins us now. Blake, thanks for being with us. How was your meeting? Well, it was a lot of fun. We had a big crowd there and uh, got uh, all the business of the organization done. So I think it was a successful meeting. We'll get into some of those uh, items that uh, your delegates voted on uh, in just a moment, but we want to talk about some of the people you had there, including your new uh, U.S. Senator from Missouri. Yes, we had a chance to hear from uh, Senator-elect Josh Hawley. Uh, he gave a really a rousing speech to the, uh, to the delegates and tenants. Also had the governor and our senior Senator Roy Blunt and uh, our soon-to-be Attorney General Eric Smith. So we had a great lineup. Do you feel with those newly elected officials that agriculture's voice will be better heard perhaps uh, throughout the government in the state of Missouri and then to Washington? Oh, I think so. We've got some good friends in, uh, in uh, key positions. And, you know, agriculture has always had a strong, a strong voice in the Missouri legislature and in the Missouri uh, political world. But I think we're in a rather unique position right now. Governor Parson, as you know, is a cattle farmer from southwest Missouri, and he gets it, you know, as people like to say that, and I don't ever know exactly what it means, but he does. Uh, he, he understands farming, he understands farmers, and he's a good friend. Well, let's talk about some of the issues. What was on the minds uh, of your delegates, your members that were in attendance? Uh, first of all, what was the overall mood and, and, and feeling uh, at the meeting? You know, um, I think everybody is uh, uneasy. Uh, I I guess the first observation I'd have is I did not talk. I only talked to one guy uh, that was completely done uh, with harvest. Most people are really down to just a little bit left. You know, you'll hear 50 acres, 75 acres, maybe 100 acres. But but just everybody with some crop left in the field. Uh, So that that that's still hanging over people. Uh, it was a tough harvest, a, a long, extended, very wet harvest. Uh, so people have, um, people have, you know, not not had much luck with the weather in Missouri this summer. A drought this summer, uh, and then the and then the bad harvest. Uh, people, you know, worried about um, worried about the trade situation, but still hanging in there. Still pretty optimistic. Still uh, reassured that they're, you know, still feeling pretty sure that the president has a plan. Uh, of course, as our meeting began, we received the news that uh, we had uh, some sort of agreement with China, and uh, that I think uh, added a little positive news to the meeting. And people are, um, I think, optimistic about a farm bill getting done, so that's good news as well. Talking with Missouri Farm Bureau President Blake Hurst. So, when it came time for delegates to vote and what you'll send on to the American Farm Bureau Federation in their annual meeting. In January, what were some of the uh, the key resolutions? Well, on the state level, things that we won't necessarily take to uh, take to uh, to our annual meeting, American Farm Bureau annual meeting. Uh, people are 
we've actually discovered a lot of windmills going up in rural Missouri. Uh, and there's a little bit of a fuss over uh, local property taxes and whether those those taxes will stay uh, in the county where the windmills are being hosted. Uh, we came out strongly for that being the case. In other words, uh, some of these big facilities, they may take the property taxes and spread it over the service area of the utility uh, that owns a windmill farm. Uh, we think if these things are to be built, that the property taxes should stay in the local county. Also concern on the state level about the number of veterinarians. Um, the problems with getting large animal veterinarians out into rural communities, it's almost at crisis levels in a lot of parts of the state. And so we're searching for ways to help that situation. And finally, uh, I think there's a pretty good feeling that we may have too many initiative petitions in the state of Missouri, perhaps some reforms that make it a little more difficult uh, in getting petitions on the ballot. National, uh, national, national issues, perhaps the first one was several different changes in sort of technical language having to do with broadband, asking for minimum requirements for broadband in rural areas that, that are adequate. I mean, that right now, uh, we can we can support projects to bring quote unquote broadband to rural areas that are barely better uh, than dial up. Our members are not happy about that. Uh, so I think that's the that perhaps is the most uh, important thing um, we're digging to the national level. We strongly feel that the USDA uh, should be the regulatory agency when it comes to fake meat. This lab grown meat uh, is actually should be regulated by the USDA. And I think we'll make progress on that, uh, but our members certainly. Are um, certainly are in favor of that, and uh, I guess the other thing on broadband is you know we're giving away a lot of money and then we don't uh, to various broadband projects, and then we don't really audit the results to make sure that they're doing what they say they're doing, and some of these rural areas they're promising more than they're delivering, so we're concerned about that as well. Blake, did you get the feeling that many of your members are concerned about being able to stay in farming uh, with depressed prices, trade? concerns, uh, uh, thoughts about, you know, tight uh, financial situations going into next year. Was there much discussion about that? Um, I think it's out there. It's in the back of people's minds. Uh, I think, you know, I, I had one uh, extended dinner conversation just about a farm that had sold, actually, in the, as it turns out, in the Moody Hills, Missouri. But can't believe the prices. People are feeling some, some stress. Uh, they're really kind of expecting a, a bit of a break in land prices, and um, it is out there. Definitely a long conversation uh, with the young farm family that's looking for um, looking for alternatives to corn and soybeans because they're not profitable. So, so yeah, we're starting to have those conversations, and I think it's going to get nothing but worse over the next year. But overall, as you said earlier, you feel there's still uh, a confidence. Uh, that the administration's on the right track on on issues like trade. I do, and uh, I have been, um, I have been, I think a little bit surprised at, at, at the optimism that people have, and I and I certainly uh, hope they're correct. But but people are hanging in there. You mentioned the wind uh, energy. Uh, industry moving into some of these areas or trying to move into some. I know I'm hearing about it and uh, where I'm at in, in Illinois. Uh, it's an interesting uh, issue because there are opportunities, but there are some real concerns, some real challenges as well. Do, do you as an organization, do you try to, to help uh, uh, landowners looking at whether or not to do it or not? Uh, are you are you offering any guidance on those issues? We, um, 
uh, actually almost a year ago now, we went we approached uh, Missouri Extension um, said, look, we've got uh, counties that are happy hosts, I guess you could say, to these, these projects that farmers are pleased about the uh, uh, the rental, the lease payments for their land. The uh, school districts are uh, ecstatic about the increased funding. And we've got counties that, that hate them, uh, that are very, very disappointed in what they've meant for their county. Uh, and uh, we don't really have any, you know, nobody's thought about it. We, this thing appeared, it happened. Uh, counties, you know, windmills all over the state, and nobody's really thought about the large what it meant. Uh, and so the Extension Service spent a year. Uh, they've kind of uh, sort of deputized a bunch of uh, of a master's MBA uh, students that have gone into these communities, talked to the communities, uh, talked to people that are both for windmills, against windmills, and clearly Extension Service, and we, we don't expect them to. Uh, the Extension Service doesn't have an opinion, but they're doing a really nice job of gathering the questions that communities should ask, uh, giving perhaps a little few guidelines to individual landowners as they negotiate these contracts. Uh, so I hope that what we can do is uh, give people just a heads up on what they should be thinking about, what should they should be asking before uh, these uh, windmill projects come to their come to their community. Yeah, I've heard strong feelings on both sides, for and against, and I think then people in the middle that are trying to make up their mind, they're, they're, they're kind of influenced by who you talk to last. I think they're looking for some, uh, you know, independent, objective uh, information in, in making their decisions. Yeah, and we hope that will help. Yeah, your, your, your point about strong feelings on either side is exactly right. They did a, a survey. They've done a survey in these communities and uh, ranked various things 1 to 10, and uh, you you would expect you know was it good was it bad whatever you would expect most most opinion surveys like that most people land somewhere in the middle. Uh, in this survey, half the people ranked everything at zero, and half the people ranked everything at ten. There was no there was no middle ground. So uh, people have very strong feelings about these things, and uh, they are definitely some uh, some disagreements in rural Missouri about uh, the uh, uh, the future as far as wind power. Well, Blake, thanks for being with us. Glad you had a good meeting. We'll see you next month at the uh, AFBF annual meeting. All right. We'll look forward to it. Thank you. Take care. Blake Hurst, president of the Missouri Farm Bureau. As I said, just one of uh, several states uh, holding their annual meetings this week. Well, still lots to talk about. We're starting to hear a little bit from China on what came out of that G20 meeting and getting a little better idea of what they may or may not do when it comes to trade and what they're going to be purchasing. Uh, still kind of waiting on a timeline on some of that. We're going to get into it in the next half of our program. Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation will join us and later Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council. So stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. 
This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. As the nation remembers George Herbert Walker Bush, the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ are closed on this Wednesday, with stock trade resuming Thursday on a normal schedule. Trading in energy and metals futures open for their normal hours. The CME Group seeing it fit to be open as well. Global stocks slid on Wednesday as initial optimism around a trade detente between the U.S. and China faded concerns around growth in the U.S. resurfacing, according to the Wire Talk. The declines following a 3.1% drop in the Dow yesterday, a 3.2% loss in the S&P, the markets sinking as the White House made fresh comments on the negotiations between the U.S. and China and President Trump took to Twitter to declare himself a tariff man. Trump tweeting early Wednesday that Beijing is sending very strong signals about a new trade framework since returning from talks over the weekend, expressing renewed optimism. In soybean futures, it has been a do-nothing trading session so far. We've got fractional changes. January at 9.12, up a quarter of a cent an hour into the day. December corn down three quarters of a cent flat at 373 and a half. In the wheats, we are losing ground. Seven to eight cents lower, Chicago, Kansas City. Four to five and a fraction lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. For livestock at the Merck, a do-nothing day so far. In cattle futures, live cattle flat to 17 cents lower. Steady dime higher in feeder cattle. Lean hogs, February up 17 at 66.22. And again, most of the outside markets closed on this Wednesday, on this National Day of Mourning. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
So what really did come out of the G20 meeting between the U.S. and China? We're trying to figure that out. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, joins us now. Dave, uh, interesting. We're starting here a little bit from China, but there have been some comments even from Secretary Purdue this week saying that USDA is seeking clarity on what the White House said was China's pledge to start buying U.S. agricultural goods. So there's a lot of confusion around this. Well, yes, there is, because right out from the dinner on Saturday night, both sides put out statements. And the U.S. statement had what China also agreed with was that there would be talks to go on for 90 days trying to address the fundamental issues of technology transfer and steel production and all those things that are bedeviling the U.S.-China trade relationship. And then there was more uh, some things on the U.S. side, which talked about China would, uh, you know, buy more uh, U.S. goods, agriculture, industrial goods, several other types of goods. The Chinese statement was silent on that. They basically said they would look to, you know, increase imports, but there was no specifics. Um, And then there was some more comments from the administration about how, uh, you know, agricultural uh, products would be bought, nothing real detailed, just generally uh, saying there would be increased purchases, but nothing much from the Chinese side, or really nothing at all on that. So that's when everybody's kind of waiting to see, well, what were the commitments? Uh, Of course, in agriculture, we want to know how much and when will it begin, and it may. Uh, We just don't know because the Chinese side really hasn't elaborated on what came out of the uh, dinner and what uh, commitments they actually did make. Interesting. The reaction, the stock market took the, uh, that unknown as a negative, and, but the, the commodity market still have the hopes that, you know, hey, this means we're going to be selling more ag products soon to China. So they took a different approach. Well, yes, they did. I think, the, uh, of course, the ag markets were, you know, really because of very specific comments that came from uh, the administration about agriculture. And the other comments, I think, initially were seen by the stock market as, well, this all looks good, but what are the specifics? And they very quickly went, well, there aren't a lot of specifics. So some of the run-up uh, then turned to the uh, stock market action of yesterday. Of course, today they're, they're off for the uh, National Day of Mourning, and uh, we'll see what their mood is uh, heading into trading uh, uh, tomorrow. We've been hearing Secretary Purdue say over and over that uh, this this all this trade standoff shows the need to wean the U.S. off of its reliance on the Chinese market and that they're working hard to find other markets, uh, develop new markets. And that's good. That's a good strategy, one we should have probably you know, pushed even harder before now. But it, the reality of it is, even if you get some other markets, it's going to take quite a few of them to make up if you really have a significant loss in the Chinese market. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, we've been selling uh, upwards of $13 billion a year just of soybeans uh, to China and about $20, $21 billion annually of, of all ag products. And uh, it's just hard to find other world markets for that volume. You know, Europe, Europe is buying some more. Those companies in Europe are buying more uh, soybeans, but maybe they'll end up buying $1 or $2 billion more. Uh, good that you have that additional market, but it doesn't quite make up for uh, you know all of what was lost in sales to China this uh, this summer and fall. So you're going to have to work at that. Uh, diversity of markets is always good. In a sense, U.S. agriculture for most of our exports relies on a few big markets, but that's where the demand is, of course. Canada, China, Mexico, the European Union, 
Japan, South Korea, all those countries put together, uh, make up about over $90 billion of the $140 billion in U.S. ag exports. So, but that's, you know, you can say, well, we should try to sell more. Um, but, of course, you sell to where the demand is and uh, the people who really want your product. So it's a good effort by USDA. I think they're always trying to diversify markets. And uh, uh, now I think there's a little more urgency to it, especially when it comes to our big commodities and especially soybeans. Talked with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer says that talks with Mexico and Canada about the tariffs would continue this week and would uh, hopefully uh, come to a conclusion before long. That, that's a big issue right there that needs to be resolved, those tariffs, steel and aluminum tariffs in Canada and Mexico. Well, it certainly is because it's, it's happening right now, the loss of sales because of the retaliation that Mexico and Canada have put on, just who are uh, ag and food exports to their countries. You know, those were put in place in uh, June, and they're continuing. You know, it's uh, great that we got the uh, new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement signed, and it's, it'll be uh, off on its way probably, you know, sometime uh, next year uh, and to be considered by Congress and all the work that'll take. But... These uh, the tariffs and the lack of uh, exports and some commodities to those two countries is uh, hitting us right now. It needs to be resolved. We've all, I think, in agriculture has long called for that. We don't like uh, using tariffs, uh, and so we like to get these things uh, wrapped up and uh, get the product flowing again. So hopefully that all take place uh, real soon. Although the president says he's a tariff guy, he likes them. <laughs> yes, yeah, he uh, certainly has uh, resorted to tariffs in a way we haven't seen uh, any president use them in a long, long time, trying to force action. I think that that helps, and it certainly does bring countries uh, to the discussion table. Um, but trying to find results out of that, of course, is, is the hard part. A lot of these issues are uh, longstanding, have been around a long time, now trying to uh, break through and get agreements with putting additional pressure from putting on tariffs. And, yeah, we know, of course, it has impacts on what particular foreign countries, but we're all, especially in agriculture, seeing the impacts back here at home when that country puts retaliation on. So, well, we all want to see the uh, better trade rules for the U.S. and the U.S. to benefit overall. We're also, of course, uh, completely mindful of the impacts having on agriculture every day. So we'd all like to see this resolved again as uh, soon as we can get it done. President Trump, of course, has threatened to pull out of NAFTA if Congress doesn't approve the new USMCA. Meanwhile, the Canadian finance minister is uh, pushing for U.S. uh, lawmakers to approve the deal, saying that there's a potential disruption, some potential disruptions to some of the 9 million American jobs that rely on trade with Canada if the deal is not passed. I mean, we're talking about it's going to be a high-stakes battle here and an interesting vote that will take place next year. Well, it is, and I think the president was uh, reacting to a lot of criticism that was coming in from uh, the Hill, from Congress, um, both sides, especially from some of the incoming, uh, you know, the new House Democratic majority. Um, People were picking on this and that particular thing, setting up the discussion that will happen next year. And I think the president was reminding everybody, you know, I want you to focus on the agreement. Let's talk about that and the fact that uh, does have uh, a debatable authority. There were people who say he doesn't really have the authority, but can at least uh, put it in their own minds that he can withdraw from NAFTA and uh, as a way to try to force action uh, for the vote 
on the USMCA next year. So there will be a lot of different currents and back and forth as this uh, moves, moves ahead with Congress and the administration in 2019. We've already heard some members of Congress push back. They don't like that uh, hanging over their heads. They don't like that tactic of a threat of a, a pulling out of NAFTA and kind of being put on the clock. But if you don't put them on the clock, we've, we've seen this with Congress, if you don't put them on a clock, if there's not some kind of a, a deadline they have to meet, a lot of times they don't get it done. Well, that's true in a lot of legislation. Trade agreements under the Trade Promotion Authority laws have addressed this somewhat. Uh, once the administration sends up an implementing bill, which after some required reports and things that have to take place in the first quarter of next year, um, then they have time periods they have to meet. They're fairly drawn out, but after a certain amount of legislative days, both the House and the Senate do have to vote. But it's the timing of when the administration usually sends up the uh, what they call the implementing bill, and usually that's worked out uh, it's worked out ahead of time between the Congress leadership in Congress and the White House to make sure that the, everything moves from then when it gets up there and there ultimately can be a vote. But there's usually a lot of uh, back and forth before that happens. People find issues they want resolved in the uh, bill, or they're using their vote and thinking about how they'll cast their vote perhaps ask for other things. You know, at the end of the day, while it has some special procedures, it's another piece of legislation before Congress subject to all the uh, pressures that go on with trying to move a major piece of legislation. So uh, this one, uh, I'm sure, will attract all those issues. Uh, yeah, they already have. You're seeing the back and forth, and we'll see more of that uh, as this moves forward. Where are we? Let's sum it up this way. Where are we right now on trade are we any better off or i mean we've got the the hope the the maybes the possibilities but in the end what has really changed or has anything moved significantly from where we were a month ago okay well in some ways what uh, came out of especially with the uh, talks between president trump and president xi of china again as i said they're going ahead and have discussions uh the uh, us side president trump said well we won't move a potential tariff on uh, Chinese imports at $200 billion. It's currently a 10% that was imposed at the end of September to 25%. So that's going to be delayed. So hopefully a little redu- reduction in tension with China and they can move ahead. U.S. exports continue to happen. I mean, some revised figures from USDA have a forecast uh, reduced by a few billion dollars for next year. But for this year, we'll still be at about a $144 billion of exports, uh, which is pretty much in line with what they were thinking early in, earlier in the year, down some, of course, um, because of soybean exports, and uh, hopefully not down more than that uh, next year. Hopefully trade can resume. So the business of trade continues. Uh, I think the product may be finding new patterns, uh, and, of course, you know we hope that continues. So we did get done with the uh, NAFTA re, uh, re-modernization that's a real accomplishment that moves forward now to congress they'll have new trade negotiations starting next year with the u.s and japan and the european union and later in the year potentially with great britain so it's a pretty aggressive trade agenda for 2019 all right dave salmonson with the american farm bureau federation as always thanks dave you bet more perspective on those g20 meetings what came out of it with aaron ennis senior vice president of the u.s china business council next on aoa Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit? 
low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing. And do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Over the holiday season, you know there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another. All of them do good work. We're asking you not to forget us. Every child deserves a little Christmas. Every year since 1947, the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children, children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year. The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toysfortots.org. That's really simple. Toysfortots.org. All one word. Toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. Toysfortots.org. All you need to remember, toysfortots.org. Delivering hope since 1947. Sometimes life is wonderful. 
and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. So uh, we're kind of still sorting through all this. A lot of things on hold right now in Washington is, of course, uh, National Day of Mourning, uh, the funeral for President uh, Bush. And um, so everything's been backed off. Uh, The deadline for getting the funding for the government moved back. Uh, Now the date we're really looking at, December 21st, they're going to stay in session till then. So they got government spending to get done, and of course, the farm bill. So a, a lot happening there. We kind of wait to, to see how that, all that sorts out. As we mentioned earlier, uh, Colin Peterson, a ranking member of the House Ag Committee, has been kind of putting out some information, some details, a little here, a little there on the farm bill. But uh, the other three are not really saying any of the big four are not saying much. So we'll just kind of wait and see. But I thought it was interesting that Jerry Hagstrom told us earlier in the show that he thinks things are pretty well in place to move this farm bill through now. And he doesn't see anything uh, major obstacles uh, keeping that from happening at this point. So we're watching that. Also watching the situation with China because so many are trying to figure out what's going on, what came out of the G20 meetings. Uh, We're hearing a little bit from China, but uh, not a lot of specifics. It was interesting yesterday how the the stock market reacted so negatively because of the uncertainty of just what uh, came out of the of the meeting, the lack of details. So the stock market went way down while the commodity market, grain market, is still hopeful because of the talk about China buying more agricultural products, even though we don't know specifically uh, what that entails or when, but uh, the stock market took that as a positive. So we'll, we'll continue to watch that. It's been interesting, too, the comments by Secretary Purdue. He's been speaking at some of the uh, State Farm Bureau annual meetings and some of his comments. Uh, he's kind of two themes. One, USDA doesn't seem to be real sure either what came out of the G20 meeting, and they're looking for clarity. They're looking for some more specifics. But he's also talking about and stressing the need to diversify our agricultural exports and to look beyond China to get new buyers of U.S. farm goods. And uh, he has been stressing that USDA Undersecretary Ted McKinney has been out working on some uh, key markets to help uh, take some of that burden off of our reliance on China. But as we pointed out before, it's going to take some uh, several of them to uh, make up for a market the size of China. Now, Undersecretary McKinney, uh, will be leading 
delegations to markets like Colombia, Kenya, and Vietnam, and um, and some others as well, trying to pick up more business in some of these uh, other countries. I talked with uh, Undersecretary McKinney during uh, our National Association of Farm Broadcasting meeting earlier this month, uh, last month rather, in Kansas City, and he emphasized that too, that the, they think they have some good leads in some of these countries and they're going to work very hard on uh, trying to diversify our export uh, portfolio. So we'll see how that works. There's a lot of that work going on. It takes a long time sometimes to get those markets developed. As I said, it's going to take several of them to make up if we have a significant loss or continued loss in uh, the Chinese market. Meanwhile, on the trade front again, Canada and Mexico pushing to get some kind of a deal done with the administration to lift steel and aluminum tariffs. And even if we get the USMCA passed, if those tariffs remain in place, it really um, pretty much takes away the significance of the trade deal. So we've got to get those worked out, and we have some areas of agriculture especially hard hit by those that uh, have great concerns about moving forward on those issues. We talked yesterday with, uh, uh, we actually talked on Monday with uh, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley about his thoughts on the Farm Bill. I thought it was interesting. He said he had not yet decided on how he was going to vote on the Farm Bill because he's still not happy with the fact that his push for stricter uh, farm payment limits will not be in there. Uh, So he does think it will pass. He just hasn't decided yet whether or not he will vote for it. I want to bring in Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Uh, What are your thoughts on what came out of the G20 meeting? Did we have a breakthrough with China or not? Well, I think that we need to keep in mind that we have moved away from an escalation of tariffs on January 1st. That's good. There remains in place $250 billion worth of goods that have tariffs on them coming into the United States, and China has yet to announce a removal of its um, retaliatory tariffs. So progress in that they're talking, but still a long way to go. So do we do we have any details or... Do- have you seen any details on what actually came out, or do we just have to kind of wait and see how what China says? Where do we go from here? There are no details at this point, so you haven't missed anything on that front. Uh, we are anticipating in the coming weeks that probably they'll have a first official round of negotiations, so we'll know a little bit more. Right now, the best that we can say is that both sides have acknowledged that they are negotiating in a 90-day window, so between now and March 1st, and the rest of the details are to be determined. So no new tariffs, but the the old tariffs are still on, right? That's correct. So, But no escalation of tariffs on the consumer goods that were expected on January 1st. Not much help, of course, for ag products where um, China has retaliatory tariffs on y'all at least once, if not twice. Yeah, that there's great expectation within the ag markets that that's going to change. If they're going to start buying especially soybeans, we just don't know the details on that. So a lot of that's based on uh, hope and, uh, and uh, optimism at this point. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the one thing to keep in mind, and frankly, Mike, you and your listeners will know this probably better than anybody, um, it's great if the Chinese do decide to start buying more U.S. ag products, but whether that product is actually sitting near a port and ready to be shipped out quickly or if it's going to have to be moved from wherever it's currently located to a port could mean that there's a delay in terms of actual exports showing up in U.S. data. All right, so we're kind of on a, another clock then, right? Another 90-day clock? A 90-day clock for the moment. It may be extended, but hopefully, you know, this has focused everyone's attention sufficiently that some progress can be possible. So I would say keep a good hope, keep a good thought on this, but keep looking for the details. Yeah, we're doing a lot of clock watching, it seems like. All right, Aaron, thank you very much. As we get those details, we'll talk again with you, okay? All right, great. Sounds great. Thank you. Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council. Well, that wraps it up for today. A lot of questions still to be answered on on a lot of these topics, and hopefully we'll be getting some of those answers soon. Well, hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture.